listening to the official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Amen, amen. You may be seated. Well, happy Easter. Man, I'm so glad you chose to be with us this morning and that you got up early and came to the first service. Man, I'm so glad you're here. I can't even tell you. Woo, right? And like, I'm wearing a jacket and everything. Like, it's got leather patches on the elbow. Makes me look extra smart, right? I got that professorial, professorial vibe going on, right? Maybe not. Man. I love that song that there's so many lines in that song that just give me goosebumps like all the way down to my heart. Grace runs as deep as your scars, right? Oh my gosh, so good. Um, and I got to tell you guys this morning, I, um, that I, the Lord gave me the message for today early on in the week, but the enemy has tried to steal every ounce of my focus and ability to get it out on paper or anything like that. And so, like, I, I've been striving and striving to get it out, and, and I feel like the, the enemy really wanted to distract me from what God wanted to say this morning and maybe choose an easier route or something like that. But, but here's the deal is that I feel like the Lord has given me a word for this morning and it, it, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring it if you're okay with that. Is that okay? Can we just agree together that we're here to receive from the Lord? Because the word isn't, it's not like I've got the word down, you know, like it's like the Lord gave me the word for me and then to share with you guys. So here's the deal. Let's make a pact together. Anything that you hear that you believe is from the Lord for you, I want you to just like say amen or I want you to shout to the Lord or whatever whatever you want to do, but I uh, let's let's respond to this word today that I feel like God's laid on my heart and um like, if, if you're new with us, man, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad to have you in the room. Um, it doesn't matter where you come from, what you've done in your past, what culture you're from, what age you are, how hip you are. We don't care. We want you in the room. We want you in the room. We are a multicultural, multi-generational church, and we love all people in the name of Jesus. And, and have you ever noticed when someone enters the room they carry a certain life force with them. Have you ever noticed that? Uh, some people give life to everyone when they walk in the room. They're just life-giving in the room. They walk in the room and it just becomes electric, right? Um, I'm sure you know a person like that, right? Um, others have the ability to drain all the life from the room when they walk in, right? Who knows what I'm talking about, right? Right when uh, my my wife and I um, are huge Dodger fans, and um, we we've been to tons of games. I know, I know, Angel, right? So, my wife and I are huge Dodger fans, and whenever the Dodgers, whenever it's a tight game, and it gets down to the ninth inning, 
and they call Kenley Jansen in our relief pitcher, right? And they play California love, right? The place just erupts, right? The place just erupts because they know Kenley is coming in to save the day, right? They know that the, the, when he enters the field, the, the whole place just becomes electric with life, right? If I told you Oprah was backstage today, right, and was going to come out later, it would change the very dynamic of this room immediately, right? Because mostly because y'all would be expecting to get a new car, right? <laughs> you get a new car and you get a new car, right? All right, come on out. No, I'm just kidding. When my wife enters a room, you best believe it changes the life force in the room for me, right? You best believe it. Sometimes the life force changes to a position of gratefulness that I'm married to such a fox, right? Other times it's because it becomes more like I think uh, like I think she hasn't realized how bad I messed up yet. So Play it cool, play it cool, right? And, and, and that's also a position of gratefulness, if you didn't know, and uh, until she finds out, that is. But uh, whatever room you enter, you bring a certain life force with you. Uh, people like Ray and Ricardo and Carlos, when they enter a room, man, they bring an electric energy, Right? I, and other people like, no, I'm not going to name names. <laughs> they suck the room dry of the energy in life, right? They do. And I'm not, I'm not going to name any names on that one, but you all know who you are, right? I think. When we first started the mission... Maybe within the first few months, I don't remember exactly when it was, but it was early, early on in the mission's history, and we didn't know what we were doing. Like, I mean, you know, we had no clue what God was going to take us through and where we would be now and stuff. And we organized this pool party, right? And we promoted it and uh, as a church, all-church fun event, right? Like, come, we're going to party. It's going to be a blast, you know? And, uh, but at the last minute, the pastor at the time, uh, I was the associate pastor, but the lead pastor at the time uh, told a visiting missionary that he could come make a presentation at the pool party, right? And he didn't tell anyone, uh, you know, of the, uh, he didn't tell us that this was going to happen at all. And, I, and I, I guess he felt bad because he couldn't make room for the guy in the church service, but he still wanted to give him a break. And, and so now, mind you, I love world missions, right? I really do. And I love missionaries. I don't want you to get, get that, that feeling that I don't. They work so hard to bring the gospel to the ends of the earth, and I love that, and I respect that, but honestly, it felt a little weird to combine a missionary presentation and a pool party, right? <laughs> like, that just felt weird. It just felt wrong, and I was the associate pastor, like I said, and I didn't know anything about it. I all of a sudden felt like, like Shaggy, like, brought the missionary to the pool party. It wasn't me, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? <laughs> 
So we're all at the event and people are excited, right? And they're getting in their trunks and stuff. And Kim, uh, kids are, are blowing up beach balls and getting psyched. And when all of a sudden the pastor walks in with the missionary and tell, who, who, this guy barely spoke English, by the way, barely spoke English and said, okay, everyone come sit down. And everybody's like, uh oh, what's happening here? And, and, and then before he, he, before we got started with the pool party, he told everybody, you know, before we start, this guy's going to give a missionary presentation and about his mission's work. And I kid you not, the awkward vibe filled the room that was so thick you could scoop it with a shovel. Like, it was just like, oh, man, all right. And it was one of the most life-draining moments in a room that I have ever experienced because, like, 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 when the pastor said that, all the heads went down in the room and started looking at their feet like, mm. and no eye contact was made, but a lot of people were talking through their teeth like, let's get out of here, right? And grown men went from looking like those inflatable tube men at car dealerships, pool party, pool party, pool party, to like somebody pulled the plug on them like, I felt so bad for the guy because it was not his fault at all. It was just like the wrong timing for that thing. And, and he, he probably had some really great things to share and was doing some powerful things for the kingdom, but people started to drop like flies in the room. And all of a sudden, a whole bunch of people in that room had an appointment that they had forgotten about, right? And so I, I felt really bad for the guy. Um, you know, but people came expecting, you know, fun. They, they came expecting a pool party, uh, you know, and, and so any, I did what any self-respecting father of two would do. I used the kids as an excuse, and I got the heck out of there. <laughs> Not my finest moment. I'll just throw that out there. I'm joking around a little bit, but but the pa <laughs> but when the pastor made that announcement, the exciting life force that had filled the room earlier was sucked completely dry, dry as a bone. And uh, I share that embarrassing story with you for two reasons. Uh, one, to remind you that wherever you go, when you enter a room, you carry a life force with you that affects other people. And two, to tell you to be careful who you fill your room with, right? Today's Easter Sunday, and on this day, we celebrate the greatest event in human history. Nothing has shaped human history like the cross, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, who was there at the dawn of creation, left his glory in heaven and made a way for humanity to truly experience God's grace. Jesus came to the earth fully man and fully God. He lived a perfect life in a sinless uh, sin, uh, yeah, he lived a perfect sinless life. And last week, Brian spoke about just how agonizing his death on the cross truly was, right? 
People mocked him, stole his clothes, placed a crown of thorns on his head, hung him to a large wooden cross by piercing his hands and feet with huge nails. And after he exclaimed to the father, forgive them for they know not what they do, he committed his spirit into God's hands. But even after he died, Roman soldiers split Jesus' side with a sword. As I read at the beginning of the service, his friends took his body off the cross, wrapped him in cloth, and placed his body in a, in a brand new uh, tomb that was nearby and closed up the tomb. And there the Son of God lay dead, Right? But thankfully, that's not the end of the story, right? That's not where it ended, right? Uh, see, the bookends of Jesus' life aren't marked by his earthly life and death, right? Because the bookends of Jesus' existence go from life to life. They go from glory to glory because when Mary arrived at the tomb on the third day, the stone had been rolled away and Jesus wasn't there. The only thing that was still there were his grave clothes and they were still there because he didn't need them anymore, right? The grave had no hold on King Jesus anymore. But his disciples didn't know that for sure, right? They didn't know. Uh, Peter and John saw the grave clothes left in the tomb, and the Bible says John believed, right? But they had no firm evidence that Jesus was alive and not just taken. They hadn't seen Jesus with their own eyes, but all that was about to change. Today, we're going to take a closer look at the different ways people receive the presence of the resurrected Jesus. Because here's the thing, and I want you to really hear this. When the resurrected Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. I'm going to say that again. When the resurrected Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. And later on today, I'm going to ask you a tough question. How will you receive the resurrected Jesus in your life. Because when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. Take Mary Magdalene and her encounter with the resurrected Jesus in John 20, 11 through 18. Let's, let's, let's read this passage. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. And as she wept, she stooped to look in the tomb, and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, they have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, sir, 
If you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. She said to, Jesus said to her, do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to the Father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my Father and your Father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. Mary was lost in grief. She was lost in grief. She had just witnessed her beloved teacher and friend be brutally and unjustly murdered, right? Uh, So her grief, in her grief, she got up that morning and she did the only thing that she knew to do. Out of devotion, Mary went to further anoint the body of Jesus with spices and perfume. and, And this was to help with any smell or decay, and she gets there, and immediately she realizes something is off. So she goes and gets Peter and John, right? And they come running, see the empty tube with the grave clothes left behind, and they head back to tell the others. Mary's left just standing there, right, weeping, overcome with grief, feeling completely forgotten by God. Who's been there before? When all of a sudden, through the haze of her grief, comes a voice. Not recognizing the voice at first, she begs this man to tell him where he's laid Jesus' body. And it wasn't until he said her name, Mary. that she recognized who was speaking to her. Jesus walked into the garden and with one simple word, just her name. Because Jesus is the good shepherd and his sheep know the sound of his voice and he calls them each by name. Jesus said to her, just her name, Mary. Everything changed. Everything changed. The fog of grief gave way to extraordinary joy and hope as she received the resurrected Christ. I think it's interesting that Jesus first showed himself in his resurrected form to a woman. Mary had to run back and tell a bunch of men that she had just seen Jesus and that he came to her and that he was coming to them. And uh, this kind of message relayed by a woman would have been unheard of in this culture. And because in this culture, women were, were taken for granted and not valued the way that they should have been. And yet Jesus reveals himself in his resurrected form to a woman first before even one of his male disciples had laid eyes on him. Does that say something about how much Jesus esteems women in his kingdom? Yeah, I think it does. 
Mary runs back to share the good news of what she had seen with the disciples. But how will the disciples receive the resurrected Jesus? Let's read John uh, 19, 23. Uh, 20, 19 through 23, sorry. Um, on the evening of that day, the first day of the week, so the same day that Mary saw Jesus, the doors being locked where the disciples uh, where the disciples were for fear of the Jews, Jesus came and stood among them and said to them, Peace be with you. When he had said this, he, sh he showed them his hands and his side. Then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, Peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them. If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. So later on in the evening of the same day Jesus appeared to Mary, the disciples and some of Jesus' close followers were all gathered together in a room. And, and fear was escalating among them, right? They were afraid. They were afraid because they had seen what those people did to Jesus. And they knew there was a pretty good chance that they were next, right? So they huddled together in fear with every door locked, awaiting their inevitable end, right? But while they were waiting for death, Suddenly, life walked into the room. Despite the doors locked, Jesus, with all his resurrection life force, walked into the room and stood among them, right? Stood among them. And he said what? Peace be with you. What do you think that energy shift felt like in the room? When Jesus walked in, I wish I knew. But I, but I can guarantee you that the fear that held them hostage in that room behind locked doors was booted out the door immediately. And joy and hope and purpose took fear's place. What does he tell them? Just as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And he breathed a foretaste of the Holy Spirit on them. That, the Holy Spirit that was to come. Jesus then told them to go and share the gospel of, forgive, of the forgiveness of sins with everyone you meet. See, when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. He gave the disciples new hope and a revived purpose. But one of the disciples wasn't there, Thomas. Thomas missed it. Have you ever felt like you missed out on Jesus? 
Everyone around you is excited about what Jesus is doing in their life and, and you just feel left out. That has got to be how Thomas felt, right? But Jesus hadn't forgotten about Thomas, just like he hasn't forgotten about you. And in a few minutes, I'm going to give you the opportunity to receive Jesus in your own life. And my hope is that you won't feel forgotten anymore. But let's see how Thomas receives Jesus. In John 20, 24 through 29, says this, Now Thomas, one of the twelve, called the twin, was not with them when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, when you have, we have seen the Lord, but he said to them, unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again. And Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, what? Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here and see my hands and put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. Thomas answered him, my Lord and my God. Jesus said to him, have you believed because you've seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen me and yet have believed. Thomas's hurt over Jesus's crucifixion was so painful that it caused him to lose all hope. Thomas allowed his pain to poison his faith, and it became doubt, even to the point that he doubted his own brothers. He said, I don't care what you guys saw. I, I don't believe you, and I won't believe you unless I can touch the holes in Jesus' hands myself. Who's been there? Thomas lived with his doubt for eight more days before anything changed. Some of us have been living with doubt for a lot longer than eight days, right? I'm going to say that again because I feel like there's some other people that didn't say amen that have been living with doubt for a long time. Some people have been living with doubt longer, a lot longer than eight days. There you go. Welcome back. But the beautiful thing is Jesus met Thomas right where he was at, right? Eight days after Jesus' first appearance to the disciples, he showed himself again. And this time Thomas was there. Doors locked again. No locks going to keep out Jesus. And yet Jesus walked into the room again and stood among them. And he said, what? Peace be with you. When he looked directly at Thomas, 
He showed him the holes in his hands and his feet. He showed him the place where they had split his side. And Jesus said, do not disbelieve, but believe. Jesus met Thomas right where he was at, right in the middle of his doubt. And everything changed. Because when the resurrected Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. It happened for Mary, it happened for the disciples, and it can happen for you. Whatever room you're in, Jesus can meet you there, right where you're at. You don't have to clean up the room before you invite Jesus in. He will meet you in the middle of your mess. Whether you're in the room that is filled with immense grief, like Mary was weeping in the garden. Maybe you're grieving over someone or something you lost and you just can't seem to get beyond it. Maybe you're grieving over something that happened to you that was deeply painful and you carry it with you every day. Maybe you're weeping over a child. Maybe you're weeping over a broken marriage. And you carry it with you everywhere you go, this grief. Maybe you're in the room of fear Doors locked, hiding out because what is going to happen next in your life is uncertain. Maybe you feel forgotten by God and the purpose you thought was yours feels hazy and out of balance. And you don't know what happens next. Maybe some of us are in the room filled with doubt like Thomas. The pain that we have experienced has been almost more than we could bear and caused us to grow bitter and cold with doubt. You feel alone and forgotten and seeing those around you experience Jesus just makes you angry. Because somewhere along the way, you felt let down by God and you carry the bruises of that interaction to this day. And you're not going to let your guard down for a second until you see Jesus for yourself. Whether you're in a room with grief, fear, doubt, or something else altogether, anxiety, depression, love of money, Friends, everything can change today. Everything can change today. This is the very moment. This moment. As the worship team comes to the stage, uh, if you will invite the resurrected Jesus into your room with you today, 
Because when Jesus walks into the room, everything changes. Jesus will meet you in your grief and bring you comfort and wipe away your every tear. Jesus will meet you in your fear, give you joy and a revived purpose. When Jesus walks into the room, the dust of doubt begins to shake off. And the light of hope fills every corner of the room. Because when Jesus walks into the room and he blows the Holy Spirit on you, guess what? The fruits of the Holy Spirit come with him. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control enter the room. So my question is, why would you want to stay in any room that Jesus isn't in? When Jesus walks into the room, everything changes, but he doesn't enter into any room that he's not welcome in. Jesus will not change those things in your life unless you invite him in. Whether, whatever your room, whatever that room is for you today that you're in, whatever's in that room with you, its sole purpose is to stop you from inviting Jesus in. We as a people have more access to anything and everything immediately than we ever have in any civilization before us. And yet we are the most unhappy, most depressed, most in need of therapy, most in need of antidepressants that people have ever been. I don't know what's in that room, what's in that room with you. But its sole purpose is to distract you from inviting Jesus into the room. Because when Jesus walks in the room, everything changes. Do you want that today? Do you want things to change? Will you invite him in? If you will, I want you to pray with me. This is the moment. This is the moment. Would everybody stand? Jesus into the room of your heart today. Would you just slip your hand up? I see it. I see it. Thank you. You can put your hands down. Anyone else? I'm going to invite Jesus into the room with you. Raise your hand. I see it. Yes, I see it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. 
want us to pray this prayer all out loud together. Whether you raised your hand or not, I want us to pray this out loud together. So repeat after me. Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross to rescue me from sin. And death. And to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins, my self-centeredness, in every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness. ask you to take your rightful place in my life as Savior and Lord. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your life and help me become a person who is truly loving a person like you. Restore me. Jesus, live in me. Love through me. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, would you just raise your hand? And and we want to celebrate with you. Yes. Yes. You're no longer alone. You have a family now we're not just a church, we're a family. We're behind you a thousand percent. And we want to see you grow more and more in love with Jesus and more and more in family. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to invite our ushers forward now. Father God, I, I, uh, I'm so grateful for what you're doing in our church, Lord. Uh, my heart is just brimming with joy for those who have made a first-time decision to follow you. And it just it fills me with such excitement. Thank you, Lord. So Father, we ask you to bless this offering that we have to give you, Lord. Uh, we ask you to send it out to build your kingdom in the neighborhoods, in the nations of the earth. 
Thank you for your many blessings. Everything we have is a gift from you, so we give back to you now. In Jesus' name, amen. podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.